Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Bridget. Hello, Terry. And welcome to episode three of this season focused on monitoring, guarding, and prioritizing our mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. In episode 136, we discussed and linked to some helpful and reliable online resources, including screening tools for you to determine if your stress has crossed over into anxiety. Last week in episode 137, we learned from four people who tested positive with the virus that the mild symptoms most of us are at risk of experiencing are far less scary than we might be imagining. And today, we talk with Dr. Anita Sands, a psychologist in private practice. We wanted to know what good advice therapists are offering their clients these days. And we don't even have to schedule or pay for the session. <laughs> Yay, Anita. It was a very typical of these times interview. Whew, as we talked about how everything is changing, how stressful that can be, and some healthy ways to adapt, our phone call dropped eight times. Aye, aye, aye. That means I had to call her nine times and each time showing enviable patience. Dr. Sands picked right up where she'd left off. We're going to give you a taste of what many are dealing with these days as systems of all types are being overwhelmed with new and unprecedented demands. Let us start. Um, first of all, just wow, huh? Yes. <laughs> I don't even, yeah. yeah. We've never, never had to deal with something so quickly. Yeah, it's having an impact on everybody. Is it the speed with which we had to make the adjustment that's causing so much discomfort or, or one of the reasons? That's one of the reasons. Um, the other reason is that it's activating the fight, flight, or freeze response in people's brains um, as people are, are feeling like their lives or the lives of people that they care about could be in danger. And that is how far we got before the first time our call dropped. Hi, Terry. That wasn't me. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything either, but hey. <laughs> they're, the, they're the times we live in. I was chatting I away, though. Didn't realize you weren't there. I was chatting away, too. <laughs> so the mental health impact of social isolation or quarantine, and as somebody who lives alone and is really accustomed to being alone, it's even different for me now mm -hmm. knowing I have to be as opposed to I'm choosing to be. So let's talk about that. Yeah, there, there really is a, a, a difference. Even people who, who normally enjoy being alone, if, if you feel like you're required to or that it's, it's not safe to go out, that actually does have an impact on, on uh, a person's mental health because it raises a person's stress level. Uh, we have found um, 
you know, by studying people who have been quarantined um, in the past, that it, it, it definitely raises stress levels. It can cause insomnia. Um, people become angry and exhausted over time. So it's very normal, you know, for, for any of us who are practicing social distancing and isolating ourselves for us to be feeling a combination of things, you know, feeling bored, being worried, feeling uh, lonely because we are, we are practicing being away from others. Anita says we can also become stressed by becoming hypervigilant. So if we're not around other people, but we're trying to stay in touch with what's going on, uh, we can become anxious by trying to figure out what's happening in the outside world. And I, I d- definitely want to talk more about how we can do that in a healthy way, in staying informed without becoming so anxious. Let's go there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in addition to sort of practicing social distancing, I think one of the most important things we can do for our mental health right now is also to practice media distancing. We get so scared and uncertain about what's going to happen um, to us and to the country, to the world in the future, and that raises our anxiety levels. And it's very, very normal under those circumstances for us to want to try to find information, seek out um, information that might help us to figure out what's going to happen. But unfortunately, the information that we have that we can seek out is Um, either confusing at times, it's contradictory, it's overwhelming, it's even more anxiety-provoking, and it leads to to more uncertainty. So we go looking for information to try to decrease that feeling of uncertainty. We end up actually making uh, ourselves feel worse. Anita recommends what she calls a breaking news diet because there really is no breaking news. The breaking news is that the coronavirus exists and we have to take the measures that that we need to take. We need socially distance, we need to wash our hands, and that's about the breaking news. We can practice checking in maybe once a day, find out, you know, if there's any other new directives, but you could even ask somebody else to inform you about what they think is the most important uh, new information. Anita, like many other therapists sharing professional advice these days, believes the constant loop of reports, comments, both informed and otherwise, and predictions on television and online is not at all good for our mental health. And the way that I try to explain it to people is that, you know, if you get in your car and you have that little chime that goes off that tells you that you need to buckle your seatbelt, and you buckle your seatbelt, that chime is supposed to go off because you've done what you needed to do. But if you got into your car and you buckled your seatbelt and that chime just kept going off, even though you've done it, it would start driving you crazy. And, And that really is the analogy for us, you know, paying attention to what's going on when there's nothing else that we can do about the situation other than what we're doing. It's going to drive you kind of crazy. So I tell people, once you've done what you can do, turn it off, start doing other things that will actually help you to get through this crisis, because staying tuned to the media at this point in time is really, really not something I would recommend. That is such a good metaphor. Did you just go away again? No, you're still there, right? No, I don't hear you. Wow. Hold on. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me or not. I'm going to hang up and call back. Hey, Terry. 
Whew. Are you getting are you getting anything of what oh, I'm saying? Oh yeah, it's all recording. Yep, I'm checking regularly. Okay. okay. <laughs> so that is such a great metaphor because I find that so annoying. And if I had to listen to it for how long has this been going on and how long will it go on? You know, it, it could mm-hmm. be a really, really excessively stressful. It will wear you down. And I think everyone is sort of starting to get this impression that this is a marathon and not a sprint. Right. Yeah. We got, we got to pace ourselves. Uh, we need to make use of any, you know, pit stops that we can, and we can't get sidetracked. And I think paying too much attention to things that make us really anxious is something that will get us sidetracked and it won't allow us to pace ourselves and, and be resilient for the long run. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things, of course, that stresses people out is change. And there has been a change in pretty much every aspect of our lives right now. How do we deal with that? How does so much so suddenly and potentially for so long, how do you even, mm-hmm. you know, make peace with that? Right. Well, the first thing that I'm telling people and that I'm also, you know, practicing myself is is that you have to give yourself time to adjust to all of this change. Because I know some people feel like, well, you know, I'm just I'm gonna try to do everything that I was doing before, whether that's, you know, maintaining, you know, stuff at home and relationships and all of those, you know, the work deadlines. It's just that I'll be at home and these other people will be at home. And that is just not realistic at all. Anita says, as we transition to what's now routinely being called our new normal, tune in and acknowledge how your body is reacting to all these changes. Because you're going to be amotivated, you're going to be scared, you're going to be tired, you're going to be exhausted from all of this change. That's totally normal. It's normal to sort of walk around overwhelmed with some brain fog and and really not able to function as well as you were able to do before. And that's normal. We don't know for how long you're going to need to do this, but you want to try to develop a routine that you could do for anywhere between the next few weeks to longer if you needed to. So those routines need to be both flexible and sustainable, which Anita says will pay off in ways beyond providing much-needed structure to our days. Routines help to increase that feeling of predictability and certainty, which is, you know, something that we don't have a lot of right now with what's going on. So it's really good for us as adults. If you have kids, it's also really good for them that you develop um, a routine at home. They used to have that when they were in school. And so we need to kind of develop those routines now if, if they're going to be sharing space with us at home. So you want to have a plan for every day, and you want to try to include everybody in developing a plan for everything from mealtime, chores, homework, and work time, and try to keep those hours very similar and predictable. The way that, you know, students have in school, the way that you had a fairly predictable routine, whether you were stay-at-home working before or whether you went off to, you know, your office job. Dr. Sands says that routine also needs built-in breaks, playtime, and downtime, as well as a need many of us are becoming painfully aware of as the days and weeks tick by. You want to look for a balance between time together and time alone. Both your kids, your spouse, and you need, need time that you can be together and have fun and share, but you also need to have time alone. So you want to make sure that there's a balance. 
Anita says sunshine, outside time, if it can be done with necessary distancing, and some level of exercise are also proven ways to reduce stress levels. So, Bridget, how are you and your family doing with all this? Are you practicing any of those things, like having routines? I think I'm, I am absolutely trying to follow my teenage daughter's lead in having a routine. <laughs> she's doing a, she's just rocking it. And I think, you know, living with two teens, they're always socially isolating from their parents. So um, we're doing all right. Yeah, we're, we're trying to stir in, because we have extra time, we're also trying to stir in some new things. So it's kind of that yin and yang of, of structure and routine and trying new things. I know your garden is a major uh, helping point, as are your pets, in terms of keeping yourself grounded during all this. Absolutely. Gardens never look better. Pets have never been more fit. (laughs) Good to hear. I wish I could say the same for myself. Never looked better and never been more fit. (laughs) There's still time, Bridge. Not. Uh, We will continue this conversation with Dr. Sands next week. Uh, Some really good advice on ways to connect and just more of her calming perspective um, with ways to deal with the stress because it is. Whether you have a mental health challenge or not, you know, change is hard and this is an awful lot at once. So we look forward to hearing more from her in just a week. And then we have another doctor who we have lined up after that who has a different uh, perspective and kind of advice too. So we're really hoping that this becomes a resource for you during these times. Absolutely. And as always, Anita, thank you for your practical, doable insights. You really are our favorite therapist. (laughs) And we invite everybody to come to the Giving Voice to Depression community page on our Facebook on Facebook, not our Facebook, I wish it was. Um, and finding some community there, some support. Um, you know, we, we did a check-in over the weekend and a lot of people were doing fine. Actually, most people were doing fine, one version of fine or another. Uh, a couple expressed real problems, um, really struggling. And today the community is coming out in force for them, offering advice and things that are helping them and favorite quotes and who knows how they'll help or if they'll help, but we're all at least trying. So we invite you to join us. Yep. And as Anita and our mom always say, get outside, get some sun, get some vitamin D, get some exercise. Amen. Amen. Talk to you next week. Love you, Bridget. Bye, Terry. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.